All right, welcome to this episode of the DC Godcast. Miss Wilkerson, it's good to be with you as always. It is always good to be with you, Mr. Breer. Excellent. So today's question, I think, is quite appropriate given some context. So the question that we're going to be diving into momentarily here is, is a very simple one. Are old things out of date? And this question, I think, has ramifications both for faith-related topics, questions, things, etc., mm-hmm. but also is a more generalizable question. So I'm, I'm curious to get some of your thoughts on it. The reason that I wanted to pose this question today is because today, February 28th, 2023, is actually the 10-year anniversary of when Pope Benedict XVI resigned. And he's the first pope in over 500 years to resign. And recently, as many people know, he passed away. Right. And so I thought it'd be appropriate to dive into something related to Pope Benedict XVI. And one of the things that sticks out to me from his writings and theology was this deep respect for um, the church fathers, the writings of previous eras, and like the tradition of the church. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me that in many ways, culturally, we've gotten to a point where um, like old things or things from the past are more easily discarded than perhaps they should be. Yeah. So I thought maybe we could take that on and then we'll we'll tie some uh, Benedict XVI into that. Sounds great. Um, sweet. So maybe we'll start with a, a very basic question. Why do you think that there is this perception in the first place that in some or many cases even that old things or things of the past are out of date and no longer applicable or relevant? Yeah, I think it's probably at least in part because things advance so quickly. And when we move towards either an intellectual advancement or a technological advancement, we, we tend to think that like the newer, shinier thing is automatically the better thing, right? And that's not necessarily the case, but I I do think in general, as like a society, as a culture, as people, as individuals, myself even, like when you see the new shiny thing, it can be very easy to go for the new shiny thing and abandon uh, an old way of thinking or old things, right? Yeah. yeah, It's just a natural way that we respond to things. And unfortunately, sometimes that enables us to kind of, it's that expression, like throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like we're like, none of it's good because we're moving forward. Um, But I don't know if that's fair. Yeah. And I think in in some ways there is some truth to this idea. Mm -hmm. Like there are things that we used to do that are not good. And like we've learned from them. Right. Right. And I think like specifically of medical advances, there's a lot of medical advances that people hundreds or even decades, hundreds of years ago or even decades ago would have loved to have that we now have um, at our fingertips. And in many ways, those can be really, really good things. And where I I see a little bit more of this attitude is often with um, like philosophy Mm -hmm. or ideas of the past that Mm -hmm. um, ideas are are out of date. Because I I think it's easier to construct an argument for like a thing or a practice being out of date as times do change. But in many ways, like there are timeless ideas that don't change. Right. And I think that's maybe the bath, the, the baby that sometimes we throw out with the bathwater of like old practices or disciplines yep. that may or may not be relevant anymore. Yeah. Um, so I do think there's some truth that underlies it yeah. as, as there is in, in many things. Yeah, yeah. But again, I think we, we get into dangerous grounds when everything that's older or seemingly out of date or something that, you know, my great grandparents might have done sure. or believed is inherently wrong. Right. Right. Um, so maybe that's the next question. Why yeah. is that a problematic view then? Like, why is it problematic just to throw out the, the baby with the bathwater? Yeah, it's funny because as you were talking about this, and, and I'm, we'll go in that direction in a second, but it's also true that sometimes people think anything new they question, right? Like, mm. oh, So true. there's that's, a whole generation a of people that are like, oh, no, we need to do things the old way. Right. Or, right, the old way is not something we should ever go back to. And I think the, the danger of that, maybe particularly for people of faith, 
is that we have an opportunity to rely on wisdom and tradition, uh, in our case as Catholics, thousands of years as uh, of tradition, of teaching, of thought that can be placed into what we're experiencing today in these new ideals or these new uh, theories, we get to look at it from a groundwork that has been set, a firm foundation, a firm foundation. That's mm, what I'm looking yeah, yeah. for, like a firm foundation versus a lot of times with uh, new movements, new movements of thoughts. They can be a bit fleeting, right, and not grounded. We have this advantage to be able to ground things in what was to take into what will be. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and I think specific to the church, it's worth thinking through the difference between dogma or doctrine and disciplines. And Mm -hmm. that sometimes the disciplines of the church have changed, like married priests would be a good example that go back hundreds and hundreds of years. And we had a very different situation than we do have now. Uh, But the the doctrine, these concepts that underlied the foundation essentially don't change. Right. Right. And that's uh, finding creative ways to meet the challenges and opportunities of new eras without shaking that foundation, I think is important. Yeah. Because um, I think this view is like inherently wrong in many ways that old things are necessarily out of date because you, you wouldn't look at a, a, a current practice and say that necessarily 200 years from now, this is going to be not the best way of doing this anymore. Right. There's no way. Right. Like, it's possible that it will be. Right. And so, again, we don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Um whether it relates to discipline or doctrine, but I think especially doctrine yeah. uh, when it comes it's to It's so faith. interesting because when you say that, it makes me think about in, in college when we learned about what the church would call the deposit of faith, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, exactly. And so the deposit of faith through the passion, death, and resurrection of our Lord, and then the gift of the Holy Spirit, like all that needs to be known is knowable, but there's this deepening of our understanding. So it's not that our understanding is ever changed from what Jesus taught, but we can deepen our understanding of it. Um, and that I think is the way that we want to approach philosophy and different mm-hmm. movements, yeah. right? That like, we're just growing to a deeper understanding of what was already known, right? We're taking it to a different level that doesn't disregard what was already known as not good. Yeah, I think perhaps a great example of that is Aquinas on transubstantiation mm-hmm. and really many topics. Oh, but so many topics. he articulates it so clearly using the language of Aristotle, philosophy, mm-hmm. but he dives deeply into the theology. Yeah. And so while that term and that exact concept may not have been around, it's very easy to see, oh, this is just how he's applying philosophical language to what we've already believed theologically for right. you know 1,200 years or ish at that yeah. point. Um, so maybe a great example of that. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think that this applies to the church? Like, are there things that you can think of in the church that uh, we might have a tendency to throw out or disregard because they seem old or out of date? Yeah, it's so interesting. I know we did a topic on the podcast on the March for Life, but one of the things that we did when we went to the March for Life is we had an opportunity to visit the tomb of the unknown soldier. Mm. And there they have this 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 ritual that's done every hour to honor the soldier in the tomb. And Father Bob, after we had visited, and I'm going to connect it, I promise, Mr. Breer, <laughs> as we were as we were leaving, he said, it's so interesting how deeply ritualistic we are, the importance of ritual. And you can see that at something like the ceremony at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. I think sometimes in church, like people look at the Catholic Mass and they're like, that is all ritual. That is not who we are. Like we need to be touching hearts differently, but no, like our souls long for ritual, which is why we see it all around us. And so I do think there's a tendency to to pull away from things, like even as simple as like the ritual of the Catholic Mass. But it teaches us something about who we are in our own human longing. And so, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that um, a teaching or idea that I've had that might, it almost might be counterproductive, but to me is really beautiful is um, I 
in the past have used the example of St. Justin Martyr, who writes about the early Christian worship uh-huh. um, from the second century. And uh-huh. when you read it, you're like, oh my gosh, this is exactly the same thing that we do yeah. in the Mass. Right. And in some ways, that might be, uh, you know, to, to some people, a okay, we need to change and get with the times. But in other ways, like you said, I think it's revealing something innately true about who we are, right. which is that we desire this ritual, this way of uh, engaging in liturgy. Now, that that's not to say that there are, uh, you know, that there aren't ways that we can lift up and engage throughout the liturgy that maybe we're not doing, but that like the structure of the mass was, is not something new and there's something beautiful about that. Right. It's funny. I think even in catechetics, which is kind of a bigger topic for this podcast, but when you look at catechists now or the understanding of passing down the faith, Mm. sometimes you'll see catechists that are, they just want to throw out all the, the ways that we've done things in the past. I think the most brilliant catechists are the most brilliant people who are approaching evangelization, like somebody like Bishop Barron, right? His He holds true to the things that are good about how we went about spreading the name of Jesus and his work. Right, yep. While being open to how do we use more and new ways of doing that, right? But he doesn't throw anything out. Like, he just mm-hmm. adds to it, which is point. awesome. So. Well, that's going to be a great way to segue back to um, Pope Benedict Sixteenth because yeah. his uh, right after his election— in 2006, um, he was giving a, a general audience. And I want to read a short clip from that because yeah, yeah. he talks about capital T tradition. And I think it really nicely ties into this idea of revering kind of what's come before us and then finding ways to adapt it to the current situation if that's needed. So yeah. here's what he said. We can therefore say that tradition is not the transmission of things or words, a collection of dead things. Tradition is the living river that links us to the origins the living river in which the origins are ever present, the great river that leads us to the gates of eternity. And since this is so, in this living river, the words of the Lord that we heard on the reader's lips to start with are ceaselessly brought about. And here he quotes from Matthew, I am with you always to the close of the age, which is chapter 28, verse 20. And that's it. Like, I love that analogy, right? Yeah. Like the analogy of the living river has the water that's been flowing, the direction that's That's been flowing, but moves and bends and changes where it needs to, to adapt to a modern time. Like what a beautiful thought. That's good. It's a great analogy. That is so good. Like I want to put it somewhere in my office. That's great. (laughs) Awesome. Well, with that in mind, so again, back to our our main question, are old things out of date? I think the answer is pretty clearly not necessarily. And there might be a lot of value that we can find by studying things that are from previous eras, especially when it comes to principles, concepts, foundations. Absolutely. Um, So yeah, great conversation. Thanks, Ms. Wilberson. So good. Um, Do you want to lead us in prayer to to conclude? Sure. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. God, we thank you so much for this ability to join together and have this discussion through a podcast, which is a new and beautiful technology that we've been able to use for evangelization over the last decade and a half. Lord God, we pray for those that are listening to this podcast, that it might bless their day. And Lord God, we ask that you would help us to know the things that have come before us that have value in our culture today. We thank you for all of your goodness. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.